share a, a message that I feel like God has put in my heart. You know, this week has been a this week has been a um, a very um, emotional week for a lot of people, right? Um, we have a new president, um, President Donald Trump, and uh, regardless of what the out the outcome would have been, you know, I already knew that half of the country would be in pain. You know that they would, you know, it doesn't really matter who it was gonna who was gonna win. You know. Half of the nation will react. And you see that in social media, right? Um, well, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, okay, you know, we can't really control people's reactions, but we can control our reactions. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, it says, But for those of you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise and healing in its rays. Jesus brings healing of all kinds to our lives, our country, and our world. It's his deep desire to do so. So our hope is in Christ, amen? He is our divinely appointed eternal king. So let's not be arrogant or prideful, but rather let's be loving and gracious. Jesus brought healing to this nation. As disciples, we can also do our part, amen? Let's go to God in prayer. Father, uh, thank you, Lord, that uh, you have uh, brought us to a new day. And this is a new chapter in American history, Father. And we just lift up to you our new government, Father. And I pray that we will be able to support our new government, Lord, that like you command us to. Because, Father, the healing that will be brought upon this nation is not going to come from people, Father. But it's going to come from you. And we're going to be agents of that healing, Father. Please uh, use me in a powerful way today. In Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, the title of my lesson today is, What's Your Perspective? Okay, so last Sunday we had a great lesson. We had a great message from Mark Mancini about heaven, right? And a lot of us, you know, we've started to put aside our Disney World trips and we started to look at, okay, how do I plan to get to heaven? Okay, well, today's lesson is actually like a follow-up to that lesson. You know, it's also my response to, um, you know, the political scene. Basically, what is our perspective? What can we learn from Paul? And how do we manage our own hearts, given the situation? Okay, uh, let's turn to the next slide. Our theme scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith and not by sight. What's the background? Paul, at this time, was facing death threats daily. Okay, unbelieving Jews who, were, who used to be his people, unbelieving Gentiles who doubted that he was truly a convert, both groups were opposed to him, and they saw his preaching as a threat to their respective followers. They saw him as a threat to their businesses, to their wealth, and to their government. But Paul's attitude was, I'm going to face death confidently. He did not fear persecution or pain or suffering. He was always of good courage. What is your perspective? If this was Paul's perspective, what's yours? What can we learn from him? So um, I have three points. The first point is, point number one, <laughs> eviction notice. Okay, like uh, how many of you have, uh, an, have ever received an overdue bill? Okay, you see those big, bold letters, disconnection notice? Well, an eviction notice is what's posted on your door if you don't pay your rent 
or if you don't pay your mortgage, you know, after a couple of months. And, you know, it's scary, but why am I putting it up there, you know? I'm putting it up there because death is an eviction notice from God for us from this world. That was Paul's perspective. Leaving the body to be with the Lord is this. It's leaving this broken world. It's leaving this world that is, you know, as some of you experience, isn't fair at all. But then I, I look at this picture and it, it, it shows you the slum area. This is common in my country, okay, uh, in the Philippines. And, um, you know, this is what we're leaving. So we don't really have to fear death. Because behind the eviction notice is the welcome letter for us to be able to enter heaven. Amen? Let's turn to the next slide. We live by faith and not by sight. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, God has raised us from death to life at baptism, amen, with Christ Jesus, and he has given us a place in heaven. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul also shares that we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and be at home with the Lord. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to receive that eviction notice? <laughs> or are you uncertain, even afraid to die? You know, uh, think about it. If we're too obsessive about our own physical well-being, our own retirement plans, our own wealth management, you know, if, or if you have a morbid fear of Christ, that's really not consistent with a Christian perspective. Because actually, this is... It's like we're trapped, you know. Uh, we should be longing for heaven like a prisoner longs for freedom. Because this life is just temporary. Amen? You know, I, 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 at the beginning of this week, I had asked uh, a few of your Bible talk leaders, and um, I was asking them, you know, what are, what are the uh, situations that are in your ministries? You know, and uh, a few of them responded, and uh, I understand that uh, many of you... Um, are facing health challenges. You know, just this week I heard that uh, even Robert's grandpa passed away, and uh, that was saddening. You know, uh, we know of uh, Papa Dave who, who passed away recently. You know, for some of us, it's our parents who have health issues, right? Some of them are scheduled for major surgeries, but I appreciate the faith that you have in Christ. Campus ministry, I appreciate the faith that you have in Christ. To be able to manage through these circumstances, we can definitely relate. When my father-in-law was sick, and uh, we were trying to work full-time, serve in the ministry and full-time hearts, you know. Um, it is hard, but, you know, it is through these circumstances that, you know, people will be brought closer to the Lord. And I appreciate your point of view regarding that, to be able to see through that. I appreciate the faith of those who are actually facing the health challenges themselves, because uh, I see that you're confident in Christ and you are motivating your bodies to heal so you can serve Christ more. However, if you're insecure or uncertain about this possible eviction notice, I encourage you to be open about it. Let's turn to the next slide. So, do you fear death? And that's what I shared earlier. Let's turn to the next slide. You know, I shared this with a Bible talk last Wednesday. You know, uh, how many of you love board games? Okay, my family loves board games. So game nights are very dynamic. A lot of emotions are brought forth. Some of us, 
We all want to win, you know, but some of us have to lose. Well, life is like a board game. It's fun while you're at it. Some of us win, some of us lose. But everything about life, being like a board game is temporary. And once our lives are folded back and shelved like that other picture, then we can actually go out of the room and enjoy the dwelling and the heavens that God has created for us. Amen? So life is just a board game, okay? Don't be too caught up in it. That money that you have, that's just monopoly money. And you can't bring it with you to heaven. Uh, Let's turn to the next point. Okay, so point number two. Paul, other than not fearing death, Paul was also thirsty for God. You know, I, I think about Psalm 42 verses 1 and 2. It starts that psalm with, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. You know, I have a picture there of a deer, you know, drinking just clean water. And that's just, I mean, he looks for that. He looks for clean water so that he could drink off it. You know, within us, God has put our souls. That really, if you're filling a void in your life, that's, that's your soul thirsting out for God. Amen. You know, um, I like reading books, and um, there's this author, Frederica Green. Um, well, she has this illustration trying to help us understand, you know, what does it really mean to hunger for God's presence? So she says, my hunch is that you're already sensing something of God's presence in your life. You actually feel it, you know, or you wouldn't really care. You wouldn't really be here this morning. So picture yourself walking around North Park Mall, you know, or like any mall, any mall for, for that case. But I thought of North Park Mall because there's an Auntie Anne's pretzel shop there, you know, near the food court. So if you walk around the mall, you're doing your shopping, etc. but then you pass through Auntie Anne's pretzels, you weren't even hungry, but all of a sudden you really crave a fresh pretzel. And this craving isn't something you made up. There you were minding your own business when some drifting molecules of sugar and butter and spice collided with a susceptible patch inside your nose. Then you had a real encounter with Auntie Anne's pretzel, not the mental delusion, not an emotional projection, but the real thing. And what was the effect? You want that pretzel now. So if you hunger to know the presence of God, it's because you've already begun to smell and taste God's compelling delight. Amen? Um, Let's turn to the next uh, scripture. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Paul expresses, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I am hard-pressed from all directions, from both directions, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that much is very clear. Philippians chapter 1, 22 and 23. This was, God, uh, this was Paul's constant state of mind. You know, Paul, we know that. He prays. Paul studies the scriptures. He knows it very well. You know, he was an, he was an, what do you call that, honor student among the Jews. You know, he was just a great Pharisee before he became a disciple. He knew the scriptures. He communes with God, but still he longs for that heavenly place when he will eternally stand in the presence of God. Amen? You know, next slide, please. 
you know, again, I also ask for stories, you know. So among you, seated beside you, there are actually stories of people who have overcome, people who have wisdom and perspective. Um, we all know uh, Tommy. He led us in a prayer earlier for contribution. You know, uh, his mom, as many of you are aware, is battling cancer. But not only is Tommy trying to take care of her, to be there always, he helped her become a disciple for one, but he's always there for her uh, to take care of her physically. He's also a full-time student with a full-time load, and it's a near full-time job, you know, like almost like 40 hours a week. But he serves joyfully all over the kingdom. You see him everywhere. You see him up here, song leading. You see him leading Bible talks. You see him studying the Bible every night, you know. He's faithful and encouraging no matter how difficult his personal circumstances are. His earnest desire is to be close to God, amen? And he always invites people to help him stay close to God. You know, look around you. There are people here who have also this earnest longing for God. We heard Mark share earlier. You know, uh, they are overcomers, amen? So um, that's, uh, that's it for my second point. Okay, and finally, we come to the last point. Okay, so we're on track with time as well. So <laughs> point number three Paul also had, uh, so not only did he not fear death, not only did he thirst for God, but his sole ambition was to please God. Let's read again 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this time the next two verses. So next slide, please. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive what, what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Next slide, please. What is your ambition? You know, worldly ambition, how do you know if it's worldly? Worldly ambition is usually focused on just a handful of things, wealth, prestige, power, prominence, popularity, dominance, you know, anything that has to do with elevating ourselves, that's worldly. But uh, worldly ambition tempts us to compromise with our convictions as disciples. You know, when you get to the race, the corporate race, you know, it it's, it's becomes challenging, right? And you're tempted to cut corners just so that you could get that next promotion, get that next increase. You know, worldly ambition also tempts us to sacrifice our character. But Paul... Paul, though, had a different perspective about all these things, and he advises us, okay? So let's, uh, let's turn to the next slide. There's a few more scriptures written by Paul as well. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands just as we commanded you. You know, Paul didn't really admonish them to... Do what you can to make your first million when you're 25. No, uh, Paul didn't really uh, advise them about, you know, I remember this one time, um, Derek, um, there's a brother asking for career advice, and I was so convicted because um, I had taken the approach that uh, honestly was worldly. I told him, well, have you recrafted your resume? This is what you can do. This, this, in the interview, I gave him a lot of practical tips. Derek was just there listening. <laughs> and then Derek um, finally uh, shared. He said, you know, my advice for you, bro, is very simple. You know, does this job, you know, take you 
give you more time to be with God or not? Does this job uh, give you more time to be with your spouse or not? You know, will this job bring you closer to your kids or not? His criteria was so simple. I had been so elaborate in my map about where he would be eventually. And I was so convicted and I actually took that to heart. And I understand that this is what Paul cares about, pleasing God. He says here in 1 Corinthians 4.3, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. So he doesn't even want to do that self-evaluation. You know, we do that every year, right? At, at our workplaces, we have to do our self-evaluation. But Paul didn't do that. He said, I, don't, I care very little for those. Paul did not struggle much about other people's opinion of him, whether positive or negative. Sorry. Uh, let me read the rest of the scripture. He says, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Okay, so not my employer, not my neighbor, not even my discipler or my fellow disciple, my leader. It's the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. Because he will definitely bring to light what is hidden in the darkness. He will expose the motives of the heart. And at that time, each will receive their praise from God. Amen. I think that is super encouraging because sometimes you feel like we're misinterpreted. Sometimes you feel like we're misunderstood. But don't worry. God sees you. He sees your heart. You know, Paul didn't struggle much about people's opinion of him, whether positive or negative, because no human court can render their final verdict on him. As Paul walked by faith and not by sight, his longing for heaven did not cause him to act irresponsibly or unfaithfully. I mean, he was still a tent maker. I mean, he, he still earned a living, right? He was still responsible. But his eager anticipation of the future fueled his earnest ambition to live a life that was pleasing to Christ in everything. So, let's turn to the last slide. What is the message that I'm really trying to share with you? that I believe God has for us today. Well, here's what I think. You know, and you can talk to me later. You can respond later. Tell me if you agree. This is God. He's looking at you. This is the 9 a.m. service. I know there's some men here who are at the men's retreat. But uh, he's looking at the 9 a.m. service of the DFW Church of Christ, and he's saying, well, how are you doing? Do you have your tickets ready? Jesus is ready to cover for your fare which he paid with his blood on the cross. And it's available for you when you place your faith in him. Do you have your itinerary ready? What is your schedule like? Will you have time to prepare? You know, I have E, your eviction letter. It's ready to be signed when you're ready. And behind it is your welcome pack to heaven. I see here that you're here to worship this morning. So regardless of where you're at today, your soul actually, T, thirsts for God. And I see your life that it is A, your ambition to please God. So let me see. E plus T plus A, ETA. Aha. Uh-huh. I got it. Your estimated time of arrival. Well, God is looking forward to being with you. God is looking forward to your ETA. So text it to him when you're ready. 
Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the rest of your life. If you're uncertain or you have questions, there are spiritual travel consultants in the room. Um, they're available. Uh, of course, all of the information about God and heaven are in the website. The printed website is the Holy Bible. So uh, God is here for us. Amen. So let's change our perspective. It's been a rough week, but let's look forward to the future and to being with God in heaven. God bless your church.